It plays out like a movie in my head now. Um, it's a few weeks afterwards. It, it, like an apocalypse movie. Um, suddenly, Changju started crying and wailing, really, and Temba turned around to Dower and said to him, Lang Tang is gone, everybody is dead. Hi, I'm Dallas Rogers, and you're listening to The Conversation Speaking With podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast series on iTunes or through TuneIn Radio. But today, a sombre story about doing fieldwork in Nepal when an earthquake strikes. So it's like both that hostility of the mountain, which suddenly seemed intent on killing us, and then this selflessness of the local people who must have saved our lives about 50 times. Easily, yeah. Over and over and over again. Even just by being calm and encouraging us to keep going, let alone the actual literal times they saved our lives. On the 25th of April, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit Nepal, with its epicentre just west of Kathmandu. The biggest natural disaster in Nepal in almost a century has destroyed ancient and historic temples and monuments and killed upwards of 2,000 people. Everest is more than 200 kilometres from the earthquake epicentre, but still the tremor has caused the worst disaster ever on the mountain. While the focus of the media attention quickly shifted towards the Everest region, and the Google executive who died on the mountain, large swathes of the country were arguably much more badly affected. When the earthquake hit, Haley Saul and Emma Waterton were doing fieldwork in the Langtang Valley. Emma and Haley were being guided around the valley by several local guides from the village of Langtang. They were recording local oral histories, and they were interested in how these stories were written into the Himalayan landscape. Little did they know that after the earthquake hit, this local landscape knowledge would save their lives. I'm speaking with Emma and Haley about doing research in the Langtang region, reading the Himalayan landscape, and the everyday Nepalese hero. My name's Emma Waterton. I'm an associate professor in the geographies of heritage at the University of Western Sydney. My name is Hayley Saul. Uh, I'm a researcher from the UK at the University of York. And about five years ago, I set up a project called the Himalayan Exploration and Archaeological Research Team, um, HART, which is sort of joint scientific humanitarian venture. So we work with the um, charities Community Action Nepal, which is a UK and Kathmandu-based uh, NGO and also the Australian Himalayan Foundation in Australia. And the idea is that as a research group, HART goes out to Nepal, particularly in the rural Himalayas, and generates archaeological and heritage data sets. As archaeologists and heritage researchers, Emma and Haley are interested in working alongside rural communities on research projects that have meaning for local people. In Langton, we actually got involved because of the monastery restoration work, and that's continued. We've just that was a really great window into local attitudes to the past and heritage, and um, we want to con to continue that outwards into sort of the landscape and how 
things like magic and uh, religious there's religious places within the landscape that we could tap into and get some folklore and oral histories about so la the last year um, 2015 the last season the field work was spent doing very personalized tours um, with a few of the local people who just took us to all their special places in the valley and told us all about what their grandfathers had explained to them about the, the their past and their history since they were children. Emma and Haley begin their field work by first establishing what local understandings of heritage might be. And they use these understandings to guide their projects. Research that we're doing in the Himalayas is done very much sort of using anthropological and ethnographic methods. So we participate basically in everyday activities in the Himalayas. We're interested in the the values that local people approach the past with, so how local notions of heritage um, are generated, how people really engage in a material sense with the past as well. A massive earthquake triggers an avalanche, destroying history in seconds and triggering a desperate search for survivors. When the earthquake hit, uh, uh, Langtang is sighted because of a holy mountain called Langtang Lirum. And that's, it's like over 7,000 metres tall. And when the earthquake hit, a massive piece of the glacier had, had come away. The trees on the opposite side of the valley were bent flat and stripped of their bark because the impact, the, the force of the blast mm. was so huge. There were no houses left, no. apart from one. He said there were no people, um, and everything was covered in metres and metres of sediment. What started out as field work, and recording people's stories and their relationship to the landscape, turned out to be one of the very things that would save Emma and Haley's life, both during and after the earthquake. Their local guides walked them out of the valley over the next two days. And it was their guides' knowledge of old trade routes, the way they listened to the landscape, to anticipate how it might behave, that was crucial to the group's survival in the days that followed. Um, they were calling to some of the locals who had gone ahead to try and find a path. And so they were kind of navigating through the fog, really. Um, by sound. Just by sound, it was amazing calling out their voices. Yeah, yeah just, just calling, making a sound, listening for the sound coming back so they knew which direction to go in. And that was how they were navigating through the, through the mountains. There was no path left. And the people that had gone ahead so fast, like, we, we knew that the, the guys that had stayed with us could easily have gone that fast and could easily have left mm. us behind. But, but you could tell from everything that they were doing that they had no intention of, of leaving us at all. And these were all, there was three, three um, young men with us, weren't they? All, all in their twenties, I would say. Yeah. Dower stayed with us the whole time, and these two two brothers from Lama Hotel, who more or less took it in turns, holding one of one of our hands, didn't they? Each, and then they'd mm. swap and pull. And if the path got really, really tricky, they'd say, "You sit here for one minute, and I'll jump down and see what's the best way." And they then they'd come back and say, "Okay, this is the way. Hold your hands and help you down these tricky bits." While the mainstream media was turning to the stories of the mountaineers on Everest, 
and the evacuation of western climbers and trekkers. Good morning. There is breaking news this morning, and that is those fresh avalanches on Mount Everest triggered by that massive aftershock. There are now grave fears for large groups of climbers who are stuck on the face of Mount Everest. In the Langtang Valley, it was the everyday acts of heroism that were getting Emma and Haley and many more locals to safety. We weren't on a path at this point. We were like clinging to the edge of the mountain and it wasn't the best place to decision make. And in that decision as well, there were sev several times where the decision making um, is so important. It's a go one way or go the other way, but one direction will probably kill you. There was definitely could occasions where people chose to go a different direction to we did and they did in fact die. So it did come down to making the right call. And we were aware at that point that we, any decision we made could be very final. So we were hesitating on this landslide and started to follow the, the international trekkers back. But then Dower, <laughs> who was one of our that. guides, just said, no, you're going this way. We can do it. We know the way. So we were like, right, fine. Using their knowledge of the landscape, Emma and Haley's local friends guided them to a safe evacuation point over a tough two days. All the time they were helping them, their guides knew nothing about the safety of their own families. And we couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just after all of that and after them literally giving everything to, to help us survive and um, just the, the really horrific kind of situation that we'd all had to go through and we'd all been through together and feeling like we'd made it and we were safe and then it and got far far worse it got far far worse for them and Changju was completely inconsolable she just kept sort of screaming about her brothers and her sisters she had everybody has huge extended families I mean the whole valley considers everybody to be an extended family reflecting on their experiences Emma and Haley have started to critically reflect on what it means to be a hero in a natural disaster. Heroism, it doesn't feel like the right word because you do have that association of heroes with um, the, the singular individual that saves everybody, but it is these really subtle lo local interpretations of what it means to be a hero. And, and I think that's been really overlooked. It does seem very closed off to the idea that there are many different types of heroism and that it doesn't have to be this running around dragging yeah. people to safety and stuff it's it's much more subtle and simple things and about people in the face of great dangers being selfless, being selfless. or being generous and kind and you know that's something that the Langtang community kind of embodies the whole community has this very altruistic attitude towards each other and, and we were just fortunate that we built those social bonds and built those friendships during the course of our fieldwork so that um, they were extended to us. So I ask Emma and Haley, how should we think about the everyday hero? Well, it's just not one, I think, to start off with. It's, it's so... A, kind of across the board, everybody that we met, um, the villagers that gave us a cup of tea in Sherpa Gaon, the people that held our mm. hands up, up the side of the mountain, um, 
everybody is just quietly yes very quietly quietly extending kindness and generosity and naturally there's no i can't even imagine they could even have conceived of doing it differently you know it was just no question that they would very calmly and generously help us across and it's something that we have observed even before the earthquake in in that village that the um, sense of care and community that is generated through, through things that usually happen at the monastery but not just at the monastery I mean um, the fact that food is shared out so that everybody has enough to eat and elderly people are cared for um, and uh, uh, everyone sort of visits their, their friends and extended family and relatives and um, and make sure that they're okay and they've got everything that they need all the time and, and helps them collect firewood if they are too elderly to collect their own and things like that. That that sort of quiet generosity that is so easily overlooked really comes to the fore and never wavers even mm. in the situation that we found ourselves in. Emma and Haley tell me that it's the little acts that men, women and children participate in on a daily basis that makes the people of the Langtang Valley heroes. And it takes a community that cares for each other for these little acts of heroism to take place. But as Haley suggests, in a natural disaster, these everyday practices of care can lead people to do exceptional things. There's examples of incredible heroism. There was a child with a disability who watched his entire family die around him. His mother was lying at his feet and he was stuck because he, he couldn't get out. He was trapped by some rocks. And so he lay there, just aware of his whole family around him. He was there for until the day after the earthquake when somebody from Kenjingumpo, which is a village further up the valley, came and saw him. He couldn't get him out, so he said, I'll come back with some people. But because the valley was so dangerous, this boy couldn't get back with any, any helpers for about three days. So this kid was lying there with his mother and his father lying at his feet for three days without any water or anything to drink. He had one drink that the kid had managed to leave with him. And, uh, and then this child, three days later, not expecting to find this boy alive, came back to try and save him and, and got him out and got him to Kathmandu. And it's just incredible stories of an, heroism. Another small child, what was he, about 12, who was his family had gone up to Kanjingumpa and he decided not to go. He was going to be heading back to boarding school that day and hadn't set off yet. And he was, he'd gone to his uncle's house instead. And his two uncles were in the house and he was there with his younger cousin. I'm not sure if it was a cousin when the earthquake struck. And he managed to get his younger cousin to safety. His aunt who had been, who'd been knocked out, out you know, he, he dragged, was it eight or nine? both Langtang locals and trekkers to that one surviving house. If you've looked up the village of Langtang, you'll see one tiny house right under the cliff that, that remains upright. He dragged eight or nine people to that house, this one 12-year-old guy. And he just kept he going 12. back. I mean, in this landscape where there's, especially at Langtang, where it's incredibly unstable and and the the magnitude of things that can happen there is huge like the damage that, that the the landscape around you is is constantly doing it's throwing down rock falls and avalanches and things and he's running around the village 
just guiding people to safety. It's absolutely incredible. The fear he must have just put to the side. Emma and Haley talk about the need to rethink what a hero is. What their story tells us is that heroes don't only emerge at a time of danger. Nor are they from a particular gender, age or ethnic group. Heroism is an attitude of care, cultivated in the everyday. I would describe the people that saved our lives as just ordinary, everyday locals that happen to cultivate this um, attitude of selflessness in their everyday experiences, their everyday lives, and they extended that selflessness to save our lives several times over. Um, and we've talked a lot about the three individual Nepalese young men who literally um, saved our lives over and over again, but the other person who we always think of when we're thinking of the heroes of this sort of narrative we've been caught up in is Dougie, the Scottish man living in Nepal who is a helicopter pilot who rescued us early on and then made so many more trips up the Langtang Valley saving probably nearly a hundred people I would imagine. Emma was also involved in the 2013 bushfires in the Blue Mountains, west of Sydney. Good evening. The entire Blue Mountains could be evacuated in coming days as the bushfire crisis escalates. In the last hour, an official state of emergency has been declared, giving authorities the power to order people to abandon their homes. My street was one of the streets quite badly affected by the Winmalee bushfires. On my cul-de-sac, eight of the ten houses were burnt down. My house and my neighbour's house were saved. Reflecting on the way that the media reported the role of the community and local heroes during her bushfire experience, I asked Emma what was different about the way we think about the local Australian and Nepalese hero. I'm just trying to think of a way to answer your question and I can't because when I reflect back on the bushfire, the Winmalee bushfires of 2013, the media was perfectly capable of reporting on a sense of community here. There was no issue in drawing out those nuances of individuals or small groups of people or pockets of people who, would, who, would, who were acting the same way we're describing the local people in Nepal, selflessly trying to help other people. So I, I don't know how to answer what the difference is, but there's something because that, that sort of narrative is completely overshadowed by the, the mountaineer, the Everest hero somehow in this particular context. And I'm not sure what, what the answer is there, but I am thinking about it. I am sitting here thinking now there was something different because the Blue Mountains, Winmalee bushfires, you weren't here for that, was all about the community. And, and the, fire, the fireies and the, the volunteer firefighters and all of those sort of less likely heroes were brought to the fore in that context. So there is, there is something to think about there about how do we explain it? I yeah. don't know if there's a way. Thank you for listening to this Speaking With podcast. Just a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast series on iTunes or through TuneIn Radio. And if you like this podcast or have ideas or suggestions for the Speaking With series, 
please leave us a review or comment through iTunes.